The following is a Poppy Chulo Radio original program. The views and opinions expressed in the commentaries and or interviews in the following program are solely those of the individuals and are not views of Poppy Chulo Radio, its parent, affiliate, or subsidiary companies. to the Silver Bells Murders, the unofficial American Gothic internet radio show exclusively on poppychuloradio.com. Poppy Chulo Radio, pop culture on demand. Today is Friday, September 2nd, and I am your host, Mike. During tonight's broadcast, we're going to recap, review, and dissect the latest episode of CBS American Gothic. Please welcome my co-host, Poppy Chulo. Hey, listeners, and SBK, if you're listening... Nice. Let's jump into our recap of Season 1, Episode 11, titled Freedom from Fear, and it aired on August 31st, 2016. And here is the official synopsis of the episode. After after the Hawthorne family members, re- members catch each other lying about the past, they are forced to revisit a fateful night in 2002. So before I get your reaction just going to go ahead and talk about the ratings real quick so for the for this episode the ratings and the demos were at a 0.5 from ages 18 through 49 so there was no demo change and the viewers was approximately 2.5 million so going steadily so i would imagine hopefully for the season finale i definitely can see this going up so hopefully it jumps up a couple percentages so we'll definitely see how that goes but poppy i gotta get your initial reaction of this episode what did you think of this episode i liked it it was a majority flashback episode so it was a lot of filling in on what happened in the past and i was riveted by what i saw especially the revelations towards the end of the flashback which i can't wait to discuss with you but uh, yeah so overall i thought it was a really good solid episode i actually have to agree i actually really enjoyed this episode although they did obviously do a lot of flashbacks but i do feel like they definitely answered the majority of questions that i had and maybe other viewers had also that some of the stuff like were left out and they definitely explained it well and i felt like it was believable in the sense that some of the actions that took place like obviously we didn't know like why something happened but i feel like the explanations that were given were you know were really relatable to what you would expect in the real world so i really did enjoy that but we'll definitely talk about that a little bit more but before we get into a thorough recap here are a few reminders on how you can interact with the show via social media follow the show on tumblr on um, at the silverbellsmurders.tumblr.com you can follow the station on social media of course we're on twitter facebook instagram I mean, we're, we're there. You just got to find us and just click on us. So you can also help 
support Poppy Chulo Radio financially by visiting GoFundMe.com slash Poppy Chulo Radio. Do you have any questions, suggestions, comments, or maybe even concerns? You can email us via contact at PoppyChuloRadio.com. Are you interested in joining the Poppy Chulo Radio team as an on-air personality or maybe even a blog contributor? Email talent at PoppyChuloRadio.com. You can binge listen your favorite Poppy Chulo Radio programs by visiting PoppyChuloRadio.com slash archives. And search for The Silver Bells Murders through iTunes and hit the subscribe button. New episodes are available to download on Fridays throughout the entire summer. Alrighty, so let's see if we can digest this episode and see if we can definitely pick it out and discuss what's going on. So, I did like that this episode definitely started out from exactly how the ending of the last episode took place. So I do like that they're definitely still continuing on throughout the season. So Yeah, I thought it was neat how we saw it from Brady's point of view. Yes, I was going to say that, like, I I noticed how you mentioned, like, where the hell did Brady come out from? Like, what the fuck? From the last episode, and I was thinking the same thing, like, where on earth was he from? So we do see, in the beginning, we see Brady is, you know actually hiding behind a tree and he was actually there a little while longer than expected he didn't just suddenly come out and had his gun up no he actually was spying on garrett from the moment that he had dug out the grave the shallow grave nonetheless and he's pulling out what seems to be the remains of a corpse we see brady is kind of like trying to figure out okay what the hell is garrett doing and we see that he has his gun up and he's telling me, you know, you need, you know, you need to put your hands up, you know, typical of what a detective or a cop would do. And on that same point, the scene changes to this other siblings telling their mother that, you know what, we know you're lying. So we need you to tell us the truth. We need you to explain everything that is going on because we, we know, we know you're lying. And again, the scene kind of then changes back again to brady and to garrett and we see garrett has his shovel up and he tells him you know i'm not gonna go back to prison and you can see in his eyes that he's not angry he's not he's he's more like he feels threatened he feels like you know i have like i have to do this i have to defend myself and we see brady is a little bit more willing to communicate instead of immediately trying to gun him down or whatever so with that little interaction how did you what did you think of brady in that instance poppy like did you did you feel like that he definitely that do you was that expected of him to put the you know put away the gun to actually communicate with him or do you feel like that was something coming off a little bit unexpected or how did you what did you think of it I've been team Brady for the longest, but I, I've sort of been seeing him kind of unravel for the past couple of episodes because he's been really into this case. And I get that he's trying to solve the case and, and to like put this case to rest. And so he's been kind of frazzled uh, like the past episode <laughs> or two. He really has been. I mean, like when he yelled at the, at the FBI dude, like, it's Garrett, come on! I was like, good grief, dude, take a chill pill. You need like um, a vacation, go to go to Vegas or something, blow some steam off or something, dude. But, uh, 
I wasn't surprised that he just sort of like came out guns blazing, literally. But uh, him sort of like calming down for a moment and, and um, like actually listening to Garrett, I, I thought that was smart of him to do. And um, I wasn't totally surprised because Brady seems to be like that kind of person, you know, sort of like the nice guy that wants to do the right thing. And of course, this is family. I mean, this is the family that he married into. So, I mean, even though, I mean, there was a one moment when Garrett was like ready to bop him on the head with the shovel, but uh, yeah, he was ready to just. He you know, really was. Which I'm not going to jail. Like screw this. I'm I know. Whatever it takes, and I don't blame him. Basically, yeah, yeah, I completely agree and understand, but I'm not surprised that he wanted to listen to him, because he really does want to get to the bottom of everything. He wants to get down to the truth of what happened, and uh, Garrett seemed like he was ready to talk, like he, he was like at that point, so like the final point where he's like, you know, fuck this shit, you know, I've been holding the secret deep down inside I've been you know and with this bullshit for the longest time exactly i left my house i came back i've gone to jail he's like you know what screw this. let's put I all mean, the cards out on the table and yeah. uh let me tell the truth yeah that's exactly what he did so what i'm gonna do for this session since most of it is flashbacks and we and i'm pretty sure since you've seen the episode i've seen the episode and the viewers have seen it I'm going to do it to where I'm just going to normally go through it instead of going back and forth to Garrett and to Madeline since they're the ones who are actually speaking of the past events but we notice that they actually make the same type of paragraphs, the same sentences. Mm -hmm. So I'm just going to go through it normally so that way it doesn't get so confusing and that way I don't get confused. So from jumping scenes we see that the the other siblings, you know, Allison, Cam, and Tessa want to figure out what the hell is going on. So they ask their mother, Madeline, to say, you know what? Explain everything. Start from the beginning. You know, just lay it all out. So she explains that it was an you know it was during Christmas time, from what we understood, because I don't remember if she actually mentioned it was Christmas time, but. You could see, the, you know, obviously the Christmas tree and the presents and the minor decorations that are there. So we see the younger, the the siblings at a much younger time. And I got to say, before I continue, they did an absolute fantastic job representing each character exactly what they would have been back then. Like for Cam, for Allison, for Tessa, for Garrett. And we see each of the each of the siblings are in their the way that they're acting you know we see allison you know there with her boyfriend who will then become her husband tom and we see tessa's bonding with garrett and we see a different side of garrett and i thought that was really cool that they showcased that you know garrett was this you know fun loving you know brother and he was you know playing with tessa and you see Madeline is, you know, not you, at least from what I can see, not being this conniving bitch. And like, you don't see that. At well, least damn. The, the be I'm going to say it from the beginning, at least, you know, she's being that motherly figure towards the children. So then we see Mitch come in, which I thought was really weird. You know, 
seeing Mitch, you know, he's dead and stuff, but seeing him again was really weird. So we see him and he asks Allison, hey, you know, did you ever turn, did you, you know, accidentally turn in uh, some payroll stuff? And we see that Allison said, oh, yes, you know, it was my fault. I'm sorry. You know, uh, I, I, that she had sent the box of tax returns to the firm. And and she had actually sent, uh, I think they were like old payroll forms, if I'm not mistaken. Something along those lines. And at first it doesn't seem like that it's a big deal. Because uh, nobody makes, nobody like jumps up or sa- says anything. But we notice that Madeline kind of looks down and looks worried. And she decides to... If I'm not mistaken, go ahead and talk to Mitch about it. Mm-hmm. And they actually discussed that there was some fraudulent stuff, you know, some illegal stuff that they did. So they wanted to figure out more or less what they were planning to do because they feel like that they're going to be in a really bad jam. And Malin convinces Mitch that, you know, you need to figure out a way to get out of this. You need to do whatever it takes if we need to lawyer up we need to you know you need to figure out a way to do it so i definitely am gonna need your help poppy on this in case if i forget something because i know there was a lot of flashback sequences so let me know if i forget something okay absolutely so if i'm not mistaken the next scene madeline and garrett are both explaining to their audience garrett to uh to brady and madeline to her other kids we see that there's an individual that walks into the house and he's slowly coming up, going up the steps. He's, you know, it's obviously this individual has a backpack, has, you know, definitely is somebody that we don't know from the beginning part. And we see that he turns around and he sees Tessa on the, at the top of the stairs and Tessa screams and pushes him and he tumbles, he rolls and just keeps going and going and going and then what was really cool was that we see uh, a little instant scene where Tessa's at the foot of the at the top of the stairs and she's screaming but then if the lightning strikes and then you see for a split second it switches to the present day Tessa and goes back to her past self so I thought that was really cool. Yeah, and, I like the the effects of going into the past. Whether yeah. it was that or, you know, it was like them in the present day and then like the camera zooms into a different room and it's the past. I thought it was really neat how they... Uh, how they did that. I thought that was yeah. really, really cool because to me it felt like they were slowly, the, the present selves were slowly remembering the events that took place mm-hmm. absolutely i thought that was really cool so then we see that this camera is slowly moving to the side of the individual that fell and we see mitch and madeline come to comfort tess and say are you okay and they're like oh crap they see this man they see this gentleman there near the bottom of the stairs he's not really at the bottom he's like like a couple steps up but we see that both Madeline and Mitch decide to go and investigate it and then it cuts to the present time and Tessa says you know I killed somebody and she's completely shocked and she keeps asking you know did he live or you know what happened to him and Madeline kind of hesitates to answer and she doesn't say that she did but she states that it 
Madeline states that it gets more complicated. And I'm thinking, of course, it's Madeline. Of course, it's going to get more freaking yes. complicated. When When is it never going to get complicated? Like, oh, this this woman just, oh, this, this woman irritates me half the time. But she's so great. It's The actress is amazing. But this is where it gets really, really interesting. I think this was, I could possibly say, this is one of the most pivotal points in the episode. One of the top pivotal points. When Mitch and Madeline are investigating and trying to figure out if the gentleman is alive, Mitch says, you know, he he's dead. Apparently from him checking it, they state that he's dead. But Madeline notices something in his backpack or bag or whatever you want to call it. And she kind of goes in and she pulls out a silver bells. And she claims that it was the silver bells killer that was the individual that got pushed down by Tessa. And of course, you hear the eerie music and the title of the show. So I thought that was really cool. But when you found out, at least from the perspective of what was told from Madeline, I'm going to ask you two things. One, what on earth was going through your mind when you saw this happen? Well, I was surprised because, uh, like, having the actual SBK, like, not be a member of the family, like, initially, originally, like, the OG SBK, to put it into those, like, words, I was surprised. I was like, wow, like, that's an interesting twist because I completely would not have expected that. Like, I thought the whole SBK thing was, uh, you know, a Hawthorne creation, and it was all, like, maybe Mitch's idea and that kind of thing up to that moment. So I was really surprised that there was an actual SBK, and that uh, not only was there an actual SBK, but that this... SBK broke into the Hawthorne house to kill somebody. That was like really interesting. And not only that, but like we saw this right before he broke into the house. Like he was in the car with somebody and he was like, mm, you know, I'll right. call you, you know, I'll send you the signal, you know, when you can come in. So he had an accomplice already and i was like right. this is fascinating like in the beginning i had no idea who this was like i thought okay this is like a cat burglar or something like that i mean he's really stupid for like cat burglarizing when like everyone seems to be awake in the house and like that's not really what you're supposed to do i mean i don't know about uh, robbing and stuff but i would assume that you kind of wait until everybody goes to sleep so i thought that was kind of weird in and of itself but to find out this was sbk and not only was this sbk but sbk was taken out by a child i thought that was hilarious it was great but it does bring up this interesting idea before we see the finale, which is supposed to be a two-part thing, like two episodes put into one. Now that it was shown, at least from the perspective of what we're given, mm -hmm. now it actually eliminates a lot of the choices who we believe are the accomplice now. And I think that's really interesting that they do it, obviously – one episode before the finale. So now it removes a lot of individuals that we would assume are the potential killers or potential accomplices that we would imagine to be. Like, for instance, Tessa. 
Tessa is the individual who pushed down SBK, so it's safe to assume it's not her. Correct. So now it's starting to... The only thing that I'm thinking is, unless they're going to show us that the accomplice has an accomplice, you know what I'm saying? Like, if oh, they make like, it complicated. Like, 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 they try to... Yeah, I could see... Because they already added this weird wrench in it that SBK, like, was an actual person before the Hawthorns got mixed up with SBK, so... It, I mean, it'll be interesting to see. Like, I'm, I can't wait to see what ends up happening because you're right. With SBK existing pre Hawthorns and SBK having an accomplice pre Hawthorn interaction, it does kind of, uh, not ruin, but it it does it eliminates uh, elim- it eliminates a whole lot of people. And I actually have a new. I, I can't wait to discuss it at the oh, end. I but I have a new to. theory. Because now, which is even, which I think is really cool, is that yes, they did el- obviously eliminate some individuals, but it actually opens the doors for other potential candidates. Correct, and it also opened the doors in, in understanding everything that's been going on in the Hawthorne House. I thought, because like a lot of what. Madeline said, especially in the beginning, in the pilot episode, I was like, or it was it the pilot episode? It might have been the second episode. I was like, that just doesn't make any sense. Like, that just sounds weird. But we got a lot of confirmation of stuff with this flashback, which I thought was really nice. Yeah, I really, really enjoyed it. And cool part is there's still many flashbacks that they even still go through that explain the minor details that with put together create this giant picture of what really happened that night that changed a few people's lives or maybe everybody's lives if you want to go even further than that Mm -hmm. and it continues on and we see garrett is with his old girlfriend at the time uh i forgot her name what was her name again oh gosh she was that memorable i apologize girlfriend i i I forgot but it, it was the same girlfriend that he met a couple episodes back his old flame i guess you want to say when he correct that, it was yeah her. at the diner yeah her so we see that he's in bed with her you know doing what couples do you know laying down talking whatever you know the usual typical stuff and he gets a phone call and he, he immediately you can see that he's distraught or he looks upset so he immediately leaves his ex or whatever woman you want to call it Ghost back to the Hawthorne house, and we see that the scene again changes back, and Garrett is explaining to Brady that, you know, my parents called, and they needed me, and Brady's asking, you know, did you ever call the police? And he's like, he's like, no, my parents didn't want to do that. So then it, immediately when I heard that, I'm thinking, okay, Madeline didn't want to do it. Like, oh, this bitch. Like... I'm really hating this woman even more. But when he gets there, we see that Madeline and Mitch explain to Garrett that they cannot call the police. Their reasoning was that it would be stuck with them, that this event would be something that is going to be remembered for a long time and the Hawthorns are going to be attached to it. Then to further explain their reasonings, they decide to throw in that, well, it's going to scar Tessa. 
that if anything, if anybody who can convince Tessa that she was dreaming or it really didn't happen, it would be you. So from the perspective that I'm getting is that Malin and potentially Mitch really do have this way of controlling their kids to manipulate everything that's going around. And you see it especially from Malin, which is, you know, no surprise. And mm-hmm. she tells Garrett that, you know, you're the only one that can, can convince or tell Tessa that it didn't happen, that it was just all in her imagination. And Malin gives reasons to back up her claim, saying, well, she's sick, she has a fever, she, you know, you could simply just tell her that it didn't happen, it was all just a nightmare. Yeah. And I feel like you really, you really do see that, holy crap, that Malin really is this conniving, manipulative person, like, holy crap, that it's definitely, definitely does not want, definitely wants things to go her way, regardless of the implications that it can have. And Garrett, during that time, the present Garrett tells Brady, you know, and I did and I convinced, uh, and I convinced Tessa that, you know, it was all just in her head. And we do see that the, that the, scene changes to Tessa saying, you know, I remember Garrett, you know, coming to my room and telling me that, you know, it was just a nightmare that, you know, it was nothing out of the, out of the ordinary. And Tessa then explains, you know, I actually stopped SBK and Malin, I thought it was an interesting choice of words because Malin says, oh, well, thank God you did. Like to reassure that everything that happened was a good thing that everything that happened during that time in 2002 that it was for the best that that was the best scenario that could happen everything after it really you know didn't matter so then this is where it gets actually a little bit interesting when we see cam is obviously is all drugged up and we see that he's you know it looks like he's inebriated but he's just stoned and he has you know all these drugs in him and we see that he in the past we see that he is climbing to back into his room and we notice that he starts uh to hear things if i'm if i'm not mistaken and he goes out and he looks over the rail and he sees that a body is being dragged down the stairs mm-hmm. which is synonymous to him explaining that the dream that he had was of a man being pulled down because he thought it was Mitch pulling down a body when in fact it was Garrett which Correct. now that I think about it a couple if I'm not mistaken a couple uh, episodes ago didn't Garrett talk to Cam about that, you know, potential halluc- hallucinating scene where yes. Garrett told him it's all just in your head? Yeah, I think it was the episode where um, where he handcuffed him or tied him up. Yeah, tied him to the bathroom. When he was going through withdrawals, I, yeah. I thought that was really inter- I thought that was really cool that the writers decided to put Garrett at the bottom of the stairs. And I thought that was really cool, so... We see that, you know, Garrett is slowly moving 
the body out and the scene then moves over to Garrett's explaining to Brady that he believed that he was doing what was best for Tessa that he was being a, a good big brother that he was protecting Tessa and he explains to Brady that you know I needed to get rid of the body so that we nobody could find it and it wouldn't be tied to them so during all this explanation do you feel like it was justified for him to do that or do you like would you have agreed with his intentions uh, as a on Garrett's side depend based upon what we're given at this moment I do like I listen I I understand that everything that Madeline does is going to seem hella sketchy hella and hella sketchy. you know the emphasis on the hella l- Yeah like I completely understand that but her um her sort of, uh, I guess, breakdown of why it would be a good idea to do this, why we should do that, why we should think about doing this, you know, her sort of, like, rationalization of why it needed to be done that way made sense. I mean, it, it is a child. She she could be emotionally scarred and that kind of thing, so I completely get why she wanted to, you know, make her think it was like a fever-induced dream and, and all that kind of stuff. So her reasoning made sense, in a sense. But it still is hella shady, because, like, she is just a hella shady lady. I mean, it's just a, a fact. And, uh, like, I guess, you know, just seeing how it was broken down for us, like actually now seeing everything, because if you think about it, throughout all the episodes thus far in the season, it has been leading up to this flashback episode, because we've got little bits and pieces here and there. We had all that stuff with Cam, and we weren't really sure what he saw, and then we had all this stuff with with Madeline and her giving us information that we thought was kind of sketchy and that kind of thing. Like, I love that this flashback really proved to us what really happened and it sort of uh, confirmed a lot of stuff that we knew and it really expanded upon what we were told and I think it gives this idea that well everything that Madeline is saying is definitely truthful now only because Garrett or at least um, it, it, it um, bits and pieces are truthful. Like she, I feel like, you know, she wasn't giving anybody like the complete picture of what exactly happened. But uh, I- I'm glad that we got to see like exactly what ended up happening. And I think it, but but I mean, it it also showcases that well that Mal, especially now that it's becoming near the end of the season. And Madeline is explaining this, you know, maybe some people would say, well, maybe she's just only saying, changing certain things to make it convenient for her. It doesn't appear... Which that could be true, too, well, to be well, quite it honest. It could, but in only in certain parts, because remember that the scenes keep changing to Garrett, and Garrett... No, correct, yeah, so Garrett's giving same, his right. side of, like, what he knows and what he saw as well. Yeah, I completely agree, but you could definitely tell with these flashbacks that, you know, Madeline was the one in charge. Like, she was the one always giving the suggestions. She was the one that was uh, sort of, like, putting the wheels in motion as to you know 
what needed to happen next. Right, and then going on through, we see that Garrett is still explaining to Brady, at least the present day Garrett, tells Brady that it then got a little complicated. And we see that the scene goes back where Garrett is digging up the grave and the SBK uh, is right there next to him under the tarp and everything. And he's about to bury body, but he sees that he is not there. As soon as he turns around, he's missing. And I'm thinking, holy shit. At first I thought, holy shit, like he's still out there. He's still out there loose. Like, holy crap. Like, that's what he was going to explain. But then I thought, wait, no, he's at the same place. There's a body there. So obviously he may have killed him or something happened. So that, that's what, that was my assumption, you know, once he was explaining that. And we see that he gets attacked and it goes into this, you know, crazy little chase scene where he, he's running through the forest. We see that he gets stabbed to the side and stabbed on the back. And we see that they're struggling, they're fighting, and Garrett takes the knife and just god just stabs him stabs him a few more times and we just see that sbk falls down and he's dead he's he got gutted and garrett killed him yes and again it actually does the same lighting effect where lightning strikes and you see present day garrett there and then it switches back so that was really cool and we also see that garrett is looking at the knife too you know and he explains to Brady in present time that he kept the knife to remind him of what he had to do. So th there I can understand Garrett keeping the knife to remind him of what he did, that he did it out of love for his younger sister, that he did it because he had to. You know, he was told by his parents and the repercussions was that his little sister was involved and he didn't want his little sister involved anymore. Mm -hmm. And then it goes back to the scene of where we see Garrett looked kind of suspicious at that particular scene where he's all bloodied and muddy and with the knife. And, you know, it didn't look good on him at that time. But now we know that it was just a continuation of him trying to survive, that it was literally him to be killed or to kill. That was literally his options. And... He explains to his mom that, you know, I had to do this. I had no other choice. And it goes back to present day siblings with Cam, Allison, and Tessa explaining to Mal that, you know what, that you put him through this. That that it in Garrett's defense, he had to kill somebody or else he would be killed himself. And you could see that the siblings are, at least from what it looks like, you can tell right off the bat that Tessa really does understand where Garrett's coming from. That why Garrett is so adamant on trying to stay away from his family. Not so much Tessa, but why uh -huh. he was doing it. At least that's what it appears like from the type of explanations and the reasonings that Tessa gives. And on that same point, we see Cam says, well, then why was dad's DNA on the belt? And that's where things turn for a little bit like more crazier, crazier uh, segment. And we see that Malin says that the reason was that they had to go to David Morales's house 
because that's where the files were sent. And Malin pointed out that that you sent, like, what a bitch. <laughs> like she, she had to make it apparent that it was Allison's fault. When in reality, it kind of was in that regards. Well, no. no. It, well, well, it was, it was her, her fault that the files were sent, yeah, but I'm it was like for, their fault that they were doing no, shady I'm things. It was her fault that the files were sent that way. I am, yeah. as opposed to the stuff that happened. No, how is that Allison's fault? What I'm saying is, is that Madeline made it makes it seem like that the events occurred because oh, totally. Allison, that the events only transpired because Allison was negligent in providing the correct information. And Allison says, "What the hell does that have to do with anything? Just answer the damn question." So that was freaking hilarious but we see that mitch and david are speaking at davis david's house and they're discussing the fraudulent scams that mitch did where he took money from people's from 401k from the workers from families from children and david is explaining David's explaining that how can I let this go? Like, I need to report this to the authorities. And Mitch essentially tries to buy him out, saying, I'll give you two million, three million, you know, for you not to say anything. And we see that David gets up and he leaves and says, You know, you can put that for restitution. We see that Mitch brings out a briefcase and we see that it's a belt, a silver bell, and mm -hmm. a pair of gloves. So I was like, oh man, that was crazy. And then the scene moves on a little bit further, still in the past. And the news comes up and says, you know, that David Morales was strangled to death. You know, that the Silver Bells killer strikes again. And we see Garrett is completely dumbfounded and completely flabbergasted that this happened. That, And he says, you know, that's not even possible. You know, that he is the one who killed Silver Bells killer. And then Garrett actually explains to Brady in the present time, saying that that's why my that's why they wanted me to remove SBK. So that way they could use SBK as a scapegoat in order for them to save their own mm -hmm. ass. That for them to save their own assets, they wanted to use SBK as a scapegoat because they know that the real SBK is dead that they're the ones that he is removed from the picture so now they're able to commit this murder and blame it on sbk when sbk can't do anything about it because he is dead and we see brady's face kind of like in shock but in not necessarily in disbelief but to the point where at least from what it looks like he starting to understand Garrett's predicament of where he is coming from, like a sense of understanding, at least from the angle that is given to us on his face, at least what is shown. And Garrett then explains, you know, I, you know, it makes sense. And that's why, that's why all of this happened was because the fact that I was put into this predicament and it just so happened that if I removed SBK, then they could use him as a scapegoat when this got revealed were you in shock did this was this like holy crap to you or, or did you feel like or what did you think of it 
Well, at this moment, and I have to say at this moment because we get even more yes, revelations even in more. a moment. Yes, but at this moment I was like, okay, so Mitch wasn't necessarily SBK, but Mitch is sort of continuing on uh, the SBK tradition. So all of our suspicions on Mitch are 100% confirmed. At least this is what I thought at this moment, because things completely changed. But at this moment, I was like, okay, it was Mitch. So, you know, part of us were right about our suspicions on Mitch. It all It's all making sense now. This, that, the other. I'm like, okay, I'm understanding where things are going. And then, it, I guess, I kind of felt the same way, too. Like, holy crap that he wasn't necessarily the original SBK. It just so happens that since he had read up a lot of the newspaper articles about SBK during the time that he was able to emulate the exact procedures that SBK Mm -hmm. would do. And I thought, now that I think about it, from previous episodes where Malin explains that he had an obsession for it, I thought it should have clicked in my head. But, of course, that was that'd be way too subtle and you'd be like a genius if you figured it out from the beginning. But now that you look back on it, those subtle clues actually point out that Mitch himself really had not necessarily a fantasy for it, but he really had the knowledge of how to go through with it at least from this point in time from the information correct and it's funny because i don't think any of us because it was madeline saying it i don't think any of us really believed that (laughs) i know i don't think any of us really believed that mitch had this like true crime sort of obsession and that kind of thing but this episode really proved that he did and that he knew he would be like the perfect candidate to you know, quote-unquote, continue on the SBK legacy because he was so, like, well-read on all of the crimes and the cases and that kind of thing. Exactly. And during the present time, we see that the siblings say, you know, you should have called the cops. You should have told on Dad. And Madeline comes into the defense and says, you know... It wouldn't have been the right choice because our family would have been torn apart. I could have gone to jail. Garrett would have gone to jail and so would have your father. And then Madeline explains that, you know, you were going down a dark path, Cam. And she kind of like, like, what a bitch. Like, she kind of, again, she kind of... She's putting off her decisions or at least the the decisions of... uh, the parents onto their children like it's your fault you know it's because of you we had to do this that you, and that you did this yeah that it's your fault that i couldn't make this yeah. particular decision though he is a child at the time a, you know a, a teenager so you definitely see that Malin really does showcase still at this moment that she is still definitely for herself that not that it's it'd be It'd be really hard and would not be in her best interest to take blame for all of the actions and the consequences that happen, regardless of what the antecedents were that led up to it. It just so happens that it would be an inconvenient for her to take the fallout, to take the blame for it. So I thought it really does showcase Malin's 
side of her that we have noticed grow throughout the entire season. So I thought that was really, really, really crazy. And it gets a little bit more interesting where we see Madeline uh, confronts Cam about the drugs and she just throws the the drugs that he had down the toilet and we see that it leads up to Garrett and Mitch are discussing and are arguing about the decision of Garrett removing the body and actually killing an individual and Garrett explains to Brady in the present time because again it keeps switching back and forth he explains to Brady that do you know what it's like to stand in front of your father and look at the face of a murderer that he is the face of a killer and he explains that he took the belt and he wrapped it around an innocent man's neck and he strangled him and he killed him and when he explained that how did you how did you articulate his decision for saying that about his father in regards to him actually killing an, an, an individual he himself did kill an individual himself and he says that his father was a murderer not necessarily saying that he himself was a murderer well because too. he killed somebody in self-defense while his father you know planned, plotted, uh, premeditated uh, a murder. So definitely in Garrett's eyes, you know, Mitch was a killer, while Garrett, on the other hand, was trying to save himself. You know, he was getting attacked. Right, for him, was that it was the only Correct. option presented. Because it was either he would still be here, or SBK yeah. would not. And then it actually goes back to where Garrett talks, tells his mother that, you know, dad, dad killed David Morales, that he, you know, he admitted it to me. And Madeline looks like she's in disbelief that, no, it can't be. That's not true. And Garrett says, you know, he admitted it to me, you know, the whole thing. And Garrett explains that, you know, she had no idea that she was horrified and that he explains that he had told her you know we need to call the police and Malin says no and Malin explains to Garrett past Garrett that he was doing it to protect the family that he was doing it in the best interest for everyone and that she herself did not want to turn him in and Garrett says you know you want to stand by a killer and he says, you know, I'm going to go to the police myself. And I thought this was also a pivotal moment in the episode because it showcases how unrelenting and how crazy this woman really is and what lengths she is willing to go to make sure that nothing comes to light. And she tells him of she tells him that you killed somebody too mm -hmm. that it just so happens that it will look like that you and your father were conspiring together to carry this out that it looks really bad on you that it doesn't look like self-defense from this angle from where i'm standing and 
she really goes off to really get inside Garrett's head that if you decide to tell, then I'm going to do the same too. And I think Malin really did showcase that holy crap that you're willing to you're you're willing to throw your children out in the fire to make sure that you yourself are safe and sound and I'm just thinking god this woman is such a terrible person I got to get your I got to get your thoughts on this what do you think Yeah I mean once again like I can understand where she's coming from like I can understand how she's validating what she's saying to an extent but as a, at least the exactly but as an outsider looking in like it's hella shady and it's hella manipulation to be quite honest i mean she's basically like you know you can't tell anybody because if you do then you're going to jail too so what do you think you should do do you want to go to jail do you want to send everybody to jail because you're going to go to jail too you 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 jail 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 and uh, once obviously he hears that i mean of course he's he's not going to want to say anything And thinking about it now, it kind of makes sense that why Madeline and Garrett's relationship was strained and why it was really bad when he came back uh, in the beginning of the season. So now it's now it actually starts to make sense that why they all they had a mm -hmm. fallout with each other and why they disagreed with a lot of stuff and why it was so hard for them to communicate with each other and why Garrett was would throw in these little subtle comments saying you know you better hold me on a leash or you better make sure that i don't explode you know about it being a grenade being ready to explode yeah. to being released so i thought it was really cool that now they explain why garrett and madeline had these little quarrels and these little interactions and stuff and the scene kind of perpetuates a little bit further and we see cam leaves the kitchen area leaves the kitchen area and he calls out his family his sisters and his mom saying you know you guys need to come in here so they decide to go in and they see that there is like a dollhouse or a real life model mm -hmm. of the house and they open up the dollhouse and they see that there's five people five little dolls that are there inside the house and each of them are supposed to be are each of them are represented in the dolls and each of them are sitting down and they appear to be dead with marks on their necks as if they were strangled and each of them are shown to be put in each individual room where it represents the siblings it represents madeline and it represents gary it represents everybody yeah. inside so i thought that was really cool that they yeah that. i liked all so, of uh the um accomplices sort of threats in a sense because we had a couple of them last episode with the belts sort of lying out on the couch and then of course all the bells in madeline's purse and then now this i, I mean you know they really went all into it because they did like a you know, a, a small-scale replica of the house, which looked beautiful, to be quite honest. But it was filled with all yeah. the, the death, which uh, <clears throat> wasn't so beautiful, but it was still creative, I guess. <laughs> uh, two points exactly, for Exactly, for effort. Something like that. So then it kind of moves over to 
Garrett and Brady talking to each other and Brady Brady tries to explain to Garrett that you need to come forward that I will do everything in my power to not put you in jail to make sure that you don't serve any jail time and they kind of just go back and forth where Garrett kind of moves back with his shovel up and he says you know as if he doesn't really trust him that much and Brady throws out that you said that I was a good man from what you saw from me that if you are willing to cooperate and find the Silver Bells killer's accomplice that I will do everything in my power to keep you out of jail and you see Garrett is hesitant and you can definitely see because he's starting to run out of options that his options are now starting to dwindle and it's more so because he found out that he is going to be a father that now his choices in his own mind are definitely going to have repercussions for later on in life that he may not be able to see his you know his child anymore or anything like that so now we're starting to see Garrett actually starting to actually articulate and see forth possible consequences of his actions. So now he's starting to make sure that each decision he makes is the best decision that he has. And he asks Brady, well, why do you need me? And Brady explains that you are the best lead that we have. And in Garrett's defense, he kind of has to weigh out those options. And we see that he's definitely still struggling with that idea that you know i have to you know make a decision out of this and then the scene kind of moves in a little bit further where it goes back to the siblings and the mom and cam wants to call the police and allison says no waits and tessa says you know what about garrett and allison explains you know we need to wait to see if garrett comes if he doesn't come then we'll go ahead and call the police in the morning then the flashback kind of goes back previous before Garrett comes in to speak with both parents. And it was interesting because it kind of re redo it kind of does a redo on that little part from what we had saw from the beginning of the episode. And if I'm not mistaken, Mitch wanted to call the police right off the bat. Mm-hmm. He immediately wanted to call the police, but Malin said wait. Let's hold on and let's think about this. And I'm thinking, oh my god, this bitch. Like, this bitch is driving me up the wall this episode so much. And she explains, you know, what about David Morales? And she sees that this opportunity is presented and they have to take it. That the SBK is removed from picture. And that they should focus on removing... David Morales because he is essentially the issue that they have to deal with that they can make it seem like that SBK is the individual who did it but he's not really here to back up the claim so that would be the easiest course of action to take and we see Malin is really gung-ho about this idea like like holy crap and she says, you know, that we're willing that we can even put a silver bell there to showcase that it's a silver bells killer. You know, that this victim was a victim of the silver bells killer. And the scene kind of goes on a little bit further where we had saw where we had originally saw that 
David Morales and Mitch were discussing about the matters in regards to you know him wanting to give him two three million dollars to him to not say anything and it kind of does a repeat again of that scene but now the scene moves to where madeline was there from the beginning and she never said anything she just sat there and and just stared at david morales and the same thing happens where david morales says you know you can give all that money for restitution you know just do it for that so then we see that uh, Mitch again has the belt and everything, and he tries to strangle David Morales, and he gets uh, elbowed, if I'm not mistaken. And Mitch says, you know, I, I can't, uh, Maddie, I, I can't do it. And we see Madeline just straight up get the belt, and she already has another set of gloves, just gets the belt and just puts it over David Morales and just immediately strangles him. And you see the life being taken out of Dave Morales, and you see Madeline with no hesitation, with no remorse or anything, just simply gets the belt and just completely strangles him. And you see that it didn't phase her. And then you also see that they set up the body out exactly how they wanted it to be to show the appearance that SBK did it. And we see that they're cleaning up the, you know, the blood and everything to make sure that everything's wiped down of their prints and stuff. And Mitch puts down the bell right in front of David Morales. And we see Malin just have this face, this, this really cold, eerie face. And it's crazy because then it goes back into the present with her face still having the same facial expression. And she says, you know, we are all victims of your father's actions. And I'm thinking, you bitch, like, oh, you're mm-hmm. And But then we see Allison kind of turn around away from the dollhouse and say, you know, it's true. We're all being targeted for this and we need to stick together now more than ever. So we figure out more or less what is going on. Correct. And I'm like, oh my God. And she says, you know, to figure out who's hunting us and who's wanting to get rid of us. And she kind of just turns around and looks at the dollhouse again. And then the scene ends. So I'm thinking, holy crap. So if you had to rate the episode, Poppy, from one to ten silver bells, what would you give it? You know what? I'm going to give this episode a 10 out of 10. 10 silver bells flying out of Madeline's purse. Yeah, it was a a really great episode. A very strong episode. I loved all the reveals. I loved the twists and the turns. Especially twists that we did not expect at all happening. So it was a very strong episode. Certainly leading into the final two episodes. So I I absolutely love this episode. So 10 out of 10 from me. Yay, nice. Ooh, if I had to give this, you know what? For as much as I hate Madeline, I gotta say it was a great performance. I really, I can honestly say this is one of the few episodes from a show that do the majority of flashbacks that was actually really good. I thought it really showed, it really did pinpoint what the majority of viewers, including myself, had questions about. Like things to me that did not make sense. They actually revealed certain things that. 
I would have not thought possible. Like, I never would have thought certain things would have connected. Like, how it looked like Garrett was the individual who was the mm-hmm. SBK, or along with Mitch. When in reality, he was defending himself. That it just so happened that he was put into this predicament. And that's why he had this grudge against his father and against Madeline. And it explains the beginning part of the season where he had told Mitch, I'm going to tell everyone what happened where it made it seem like that oh that he's the sbk killer you know so given that i have to get oh you know i i i think i'm actually gonna do it i think i'm gonna give it a 10 out of 10 also i thought it was one of the strongest episodes considering that it was mostly flashbacks like that's really that's really impressive that an episode of mostly flashbacks did such an amazing job that it really really moved the plot forward and it actually gave everybody this chance to showcase where they were and what was going on with them during that time and i think like it definitely showcased where the twists and turns came about and how we already had this notion or idea of what mitch was but and now we see what this other kind of side of Mitch was, that he was also, you could arguably say, being manipulated by Madeline as well. That she influenced him to go through with this, because he originally wanted to call the cops to, rem- to you know, to investigate mm-hmm. the body. But Madeline saw this as an opportunity, which to me, I think, I'll give her credit, was purely genius. Manage of SBK being there at the house supposedly dead and using that as leverage for them to remove another target so i'll give madeline credit for that that was purely genius i think now going on to the final prediction so we're gonna change it up a little bit so it's a little interesting because now we can't say who the silver bells killer is now because the silver bells killer is you know dead obviously you know in the ground buried and stuff so unless the next episode they decide to say who the name of the silver bells killer is which that would be freaking awesome if they do i'm just saying but who do you think is the silver bells accomplice and why okay for the final oh i know you said you wanted to explain this so i gotta hear this yeah okay so, my theory for the longest time has been that it's been Tessa. And that's because I think at the start of this show, we were under the assumption, and by all the evidence that uh, was uh, shown to us, we assumed that it was going to end up being a member of the Hawthorne family. Which we had every right to suspect, you know, that's what we Correct. So... I immediately thought it was Tessa because she just seemed like the character that we would leave. Leave her I know. alone. She just seemed like the character that, that would be sort of like the least expected. And on these types of shows, they sometimes go for like the shock factor because they gave us a lot of things like, oh, you know, she's got this condition and this is that or the other. And, and like she had these streaks of anger and all this kind of stuff. So I was like, okay, it's got to be Tessa. It's got to be. And I know like... There was like a contingent of our team that really thought it was going to be Madeline. No, it had to be Madeline. It had to be Madeline. To be quite honest, it could still be Madeline. But from sort of like what we saw in the flashback, 
it, it, it doesn't, doesn't appear that it's going to be Madeline either. So it seems like all of us were like a thousand percent wrong. And you haven't seen the promotional uh, trailer for the for the next week's. Episode. I have, and it appears as if Madeline is going to get killed by the SBK accomplice. <gasps> I don't know if I don't know if it's going to happen. But you could still still it's already there on the internet, so it's technically correct. Spoilers, but so. she, it looks like she's like tied up to a chair. Know, and- they also said that somebody was gonna get exactly. killed. Exactly. I'm, I'm gonna assume that there might be a couple of deaths, but that's just <laughs> my... I hope it's like two. Yeah, I hope Yeah, I hope so. So, saying all of that, because I had to at least explain where I was coming from with like my theory for like every single episode this season for the most part. So my new theory is that it's obviously not a Hawthorne, but it has to be. Like, it just has to be a character that we've seen it can't be a character that they just sort of like it better not exactly come out of the i would really hate that and and i feel like the show is is very smart so it's smart enough not to do that so it has to be a character that we've seen kind of like not like a harper's island type thing well no because it was a character that we had seen from the beginning yeah but that was near but that was near near the end though but the killer comes back Yeah, yeah, yeah and it's like really Really? I know, right? So, so my theory is that it's Tom. <gasps> and the reason Ooh, is, is because we saw very little of him in the flashback. He was old yeah. enough to drive, obviously, because it was he was like in his late teens. And uh, he was associated yeah. with the family, so he could have easily had like maybe told SBK, okay, you know, they're all there or, or something like that. I don't know. I don't know what his motivation is, but um, I I don't know. Just for some reason, especially because um, Allison in the present day was like, oh, I told Tom to take the kids away. I mean, that could be an easy ruse to like be like, okay, so he's gone. Like we're not thinking about him. But if I had to pick someone that we've seen from the beginning that could be surprising yet plausible i i just feel like it's gonna be tom because i can't see it being the mayor because we haven't seen enough of him i mean cutter maybe because we've seen a lot of her but out of all the characters that are sort of like side characters that we've seen the most of and that's age appropriate I could see it being Tom. The only other person that maybe would be Sophie, but it kind of doesn't really make sense because they weren't a couple at the time and that kind of thing. So I just, and plus she's a drug addict, so I can't really see Sophie being competent enough to drive a car as a getaway vehicle for SBK. But, uh, yeah, for some reason, it's, so, I, I, I just see Tom as being it. That's that's fair. That's a fair point. For me, I don't know. Because originally, I was actually thinking Tom, too, in the beginning. Up until I saw the promotional video, I'm thinking, God damn it, I shouldn't have seen it. And I saw it, and what struck a chord with me was when Allison was speaking. At least it sounded like it was Allison who sounded a little bit more conniving than usual for some odd reason and i tried thinking you know could it have been allison but as the accomplice i mean she did showcase her not i wouldn't say necessarily you know evil side of her but she did show that she's able to handle herself 
in a certain predicament but it, it would be kind of dumb or kind of odd for her to kill off the reporter when the reporter was trying to find out information so i don't know i mean a part of me a real gigantic part of me wants to agree with you and say that i think it's tom only because he he was shown a little bit in the flashbacks he is essentially a part of the family so he does have somewhat ties and he was yeah there. and he would have access to the so, house as well right so i feel like i don't want to be a copycatter and i don't want to pick the same one but i originally thought it would be tom too so i'm gonna say definitely go with my pick and i think i'm gonna go with tom unless i'm given other th if i had to choose a second which we're not really doing but just for shits and giggles since it's nearly the end of the season i probably would have said allison only because of the promotional video at least that's what it felt like that it was allison but who knows but with that being said join us next time for a brand new installment of the silver bells murders you can visit poppychilleradio.com slash archives to download this episode and many more registered users will gain access to our archives of previously aired broadcasts you can also download tonight's broadcast through itunes just search for the silver bells murders and subscribe Please like Poppy Chulo Radio on Facebook by going to facebook.com slash Radio. You can even help support Poppy Chulo Radio financially by visiting gofundme.com slash Radio. Email us via contact at poppychuloradio.com with any questions, suggestions, comments, or concerns. Are you interested in joining the Poppy Chulo Radio team as an on-air personality or block contributor? Email talent at poppychuloradio.com. My awesome co-host, wish our listeners a happy good night. Good night, listeners. SBK, I think we're finally on to you after all the damn red herrings. I think we're going to get you. I hope, I hope so. I hope, I hope we're right. <sighs> but thanks for tuning in. Join us every Friday at 8 p.m. Eastern, 5 p.m. Pacific for a brand new installment of the Silver Bells Murders. Have a great night, everyone. Ooh.